Welcome to Dads, Daughters, and Dollars, a financial podcast for everyone. Now, here's one of my favorite people. <laughs> I'm Sean, the dad, clearly the favorite. And I'm Caitlin, the daughter, clearly my dad's mistaken. Hello, everyone. Hi, I'm I'm back with my co-host, Caitlin. Hello. It's nice to, to be back with you all. Um, so for this week's episode, do you want to, well, the rumor is that you were going to ask me questions again, and I heard it's going to be about homeowners insurance and, uh, yes. I'm going to let you ask the questions and I'm going to try and answer. Um, so I guess I'll just, the first one, you know, it's insurance was last week's episode, but it just, it's this kind of daunting thing for me. Cause it feels like, you know, Insurance is essentially another form of a rainy day fund. So I'll just ask, um, do you need home insurance or homeowner's insurance in order to buy a home? Yes, you do. Okay. And especially in California, uh, those who have a mortgage are required to have homeowner's insurance. So now in California, like we, we talked about, you can have different types of parts of the country where like, oh, in Florida, you might need flood insurance to protect your home. And here in California earthquake insurance. But so earth- earthquake insurance is required. It's not mandatory. Oh. It's optional. But in California, because I don't know how how often we have earthquakes, and I don't mean small ones. I mean ones that can do some damage to your house. You it's like really Ridge in 94? Yeah, it's really important that you do have it. But yes, in general, you do have to have uh, homeowner's insurance if you have a mortgage. Um, so you mentioned other states. This is, I mean, a little off topic, but in any of the research you did, are it, it's homeowners insurance optional in any state or we're not sure. I'm it's not just positive. Like flood insurance for I, I'm not positive, but if Florida. I was a bank and I'm lending you money, you buy a $200,000 house and I loan you $180,000, they're going to probably say you need insurance because we're on the hook for all this money. Not only are we on the hook for all this money, if if the house burns down and you like go to live with your mom somewhere, they're like, well, where's my hundred eighty thousand? We still want our hundred eighty. Yeah, with interest. Um. So, uh, I was just curious: Does homeowners insurance generally cover just the home, or does it cover major things within the home, like furniture, appliances, a washer and dryer? It does cover that stuff, and usually there are limits and. You can set your limits. Like I checked my policy now. The one I saw was about a year and a half old. And it in the covered inside the house $150,000 worth of property. Got it. So that would be the furniture and, you know, stuff in the kitchen and in the bedroom and stuff like that. So uh, you can set your limits higher or lower. So you could get basic coverage where it's just the walls and the, you know, insulation, or you could get... No, I, I, to, be, to be in general, I don't know of a home insurance that doesn't sell you something that covers the interior stuff too. Yeah. But now if you had some specialty thing that was like, I have a special uh, China collection that I think is priceless. And my or like thing, a guitar collection. One of our neighbors yes, has a guitar collection. A good, let's say you, you own 30 guitars and you're like, this is worth $25,000. And I want to make sure this insured. You'd have to take a rider on your thing. And the rider is just another little mini policy on your policy that says if anything happens, the guitars will replace them. Right. Um, so maybe uh, you can talk about your list 
of the items um, you buy and have in the home. I remember you mentioning how you kind of write everything down well, in case insurance comes to you one day and says, was this actually in your home? Right, exactly. So uh, about once a year I do this, but it, when I thought this, and I talked it over with mom about a year ago, it's like you almost need to do this every six months. And what I do is I took like an inventory, what's in the house, okay, in the living room, we have X amount of furniture. And then I was taking pictures of it and I was printing the pictures out and then they'd go in like a safe. Right. Well, because you have to do that so often because maybe you, you did buy a new TV or you got a blender or you got whatever and you want to have that stuff covered. If your house burnt down, you maybe don't have memorized everything that's in every room. Right. So the smart thing to do is just videotape. But I honestly believe you should do it more than a a year once I used to put like every September 1st videotape the contents of the house right so that if I ever and it would be like on my phone somewhere or be wherever online that way I could say oh I you know something happened and there was a big damage to the you know uh, bedroom do I right. remember everything that was in there yeah I don't it makes me wonder if I feel like you know some people do this with New purchases like, hey, look, I'm sending a picture of my new TV or my new chair or my new desk somewhere. So that's the big stuff. But even something like you're not, oh, I got a new printer today. You're not necessarily taking a picture of that. Um, me as someone who, you know, again, a little off topic, loves Google Photos. Uh, if you if people just got in the habit of taking pictures of, you know, oh, okay, I just bought this printer and it just gets stored away. It's a, that, great, you know, it's a great idea. That wouldn't hurt. I mean, that's definitely a lot of scrolling through a lot of photos, but I think we kind of already do that already. But just in the case of, you know, when life throws you um, a curveball or two. Right. And, and in general, too, one of the things, and they're not going to say specifically, like, oh, do you have receipts for, well, if your house burnt down, you probably don't have the receipts unless they're in the safe somewhere. So that maybe you would also take a picture of the receipt and let's say it's it's a living room couch and it's brand new and it's it's really nice and it costs you a lot of money. Take a picture of that. Take a picture of the receipt. You put it, you know, wherever you think is safe online. And then you always have it. And it's hard to remember to do that when you bring new stuff in the house. And I'm talking about major things. I don't mean you bought something really small and it's like, oh, I got six rolls of scotch tape. Right. It's, you know, you, you buy something that of substance or something that would really like, I want the insurance company to replace. It's really good to keep track of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so this one, I already feel like I know the answer to, but just as a discussion in terms of location, but also in terms of price, um, does the price of a home insurance company or policy change based on how big the home is? Absolutely. So, a 4,000 square foot house in Los Angeles is going to cost more than a 2,000 square foot house in Los Angeles. However, I guess the question I would really want to ask is, you know, for everyone who doesn't live, who maybe has moved around a whole bunch or is considering moving, especially, you know, during a pandemic, maybe your area is not great and you were the person who wants to move to Wyoming. I really don't know. Um, is a 4,000 square foot house in Wyoming potentially cheaper to uh, have you know, buy home insurance for than a 4,000 square foot house in Los Angeles. Yes, potentially, but I can't say absolutely. Right. It's based on two things, the square footage of the house, the zip code. So like, for instance- Still the zip code? Absolutely. Because a zip code, you know, let's say a house in Beverly Hills that's 2,000 square feet might be uh, $1.9 million. And the same thing in a smaller town in Los Angeles- could be 800,000. So 
anything that costs $1.9 million to reconstruct that in that same city is going to cost $1.9 million or whatever, you know, the co- contractor is going to charge you. So they're going to say, well, if you bought a $1.9 million house, I'm assuming if the house burns down, you want another $1.9 million house. Right. You want the same quality of materials, the same hedging of the lawn. I have no idea. And yeah, but let's say that your house burned down after six years. They're like, well, the construction costs are higher now. Contractors are getting a little bit more per hour. The materials might cost a little bit more, that type of thing. So it, it is going to be more expensive you know, both in the zip code you're in, the square footage of the house. Like, there's so many things to consider. Like, if you lived on a corner where, like, people are whipping around the corner in their cars and there's a chance it's going to go and hit your house and that's maybe happened a couple of times, yeah, that's going to affect your insurance. Right. Um, so, okay, then that kind of already answers my other question, which was it's obviously less to insure um, a small one-bedroom cottage than it is to insure a mansion but to, uh, but to be more specific to answer your question like like between a four thousand square foot house here or in wyoming what's the cost of the house in wyoming basically right so if, if the four four thousand square foot house there costs five hundred thousand dollars it's going to take five hundred thousand to replace that and the same one here costs two million it, you know it's that type of thing right um so you kind of touched on this earlier but um i was just going to ask where does earthquake fire flood and hurricane insurance come in it it's not like I mean I guess maybe you could bundle it, but home insurance is separate from also a, an additional you know if something breaks due to an earthquake, if something gets moldy because of a flood. Correct. So here in California, home insurance in general, and I think it is kind of standard across the country. Home insurance is basically if your house gets destroyed, and usually it would get destroyed by a fire. Now there's now you have to get a separate policy I have to get here in California for earthquake. So if the, an earthquake destroyed my house and I don't have earthquake insurance, the home insurance, which basically is covering it burning down, does not cover it. So I had to get a separate policy. In Florida, you might need flood insurance. In wherever you might need hurricane insurance and, uh, it's a separate policy and the bill of the country is is do you think tornado insurance is a thing? Yeah, I'm sure it is. Huh. All now, the disasters. Here's one thing that everybody should know is like when we had the big earthquake in 1994 and, you know, they're hoping when they write earthquake insurance, they don't have to pay out on it. Right. We're hoping that no one's house gets Because imagine sh- whenever those disasters do happen, it happens in an entire area. It happens all at once. It's not like, oh, I'm covering a car theft and that's just one car theft from, if you're talking from the insurance company's point of view, it's, you know, State Farm is covering a thousand houses in, you know, where the Lake Charles, yeah, well, like Lake Charles got hit by, I'm forgetting the name of the hurricane that hit probably about like two months ago now, maybe not even that long. But if State Farm is covering a thousand houses in that area in Lake Charles, they're paying for to, you know, restore a thousand homes. Disasters are definitely, you know, not just a one-time thing. It affects a lot of people. Absolutely. But like we said, you're going to, depending on where you are in the country, you're going to have to get a separate policy for that. But like in 1984, when there was the earthquake, I have no idea, but it was billions of dollars that insurance companies paid out to replace people's homes or whatever got destroyed. And that was making them somewhat broke. So that I think if there were four companies writing earthquake insurance, it went down to two because they're like, we can't afford to write earthquake insurance anymore. We're so they're not out. offering it anymore. We're, yeah, we're paying out way more than we're bringing in. Mm. And, you know, if you're in an insurance company, you want to make money. 
that makes me wonder if that'll be an issue in the future if if uh, climate change makes, you know, I, I don't know that there's a, an effect climate change has on earthquakes necessarily. I haven't heard much about that. But in terms of floods and, and just general or chaotic nature. Yeah, or climate change is certainly causing a lot of fires here in California. So Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. You know, there's a chance of houses that are close to a, like a fire zone or forest that are burning down more quickly. I, I hope insurance companies continue to still offer insurance. Right. Um, you know, with things getting worse. Um, so then I was just also going to say, does home insurance cover like burglar, burg, blah, blah, burglaries and thefts? Uh, yes, it does, but it depends on what you have in your policy. So it might cover some, but maybe not all. Right. Like a lot of times someone could say, oh. So my, you pick and choose what your policy says, obviously. Exactly. It's but not just a one size fits I, an all. An example would be if somebody's house was broken into and they, um, had a bunch of jewelry stolen but you hadn't kept track of the jewelry in a while and you didn't have any receipts available or nearby or something. Then they go, you go, well, I had this, I had this and this and I had these 12 gifts of jewelry. And they're like, well, what do we believe? We're only going to pay you $6,000 for jewelry. We're not going to pay you 25,000 unless you took another rider. Like example would be like you with camera equipment. If you have a lot of camera equipment, maybe only the first, couple of thousand is going to be covered if the house is broken into but if you want to cover all that you got to put a rider on the insurance policy to cover all the camera equipment right um so i guess like going into it a little bit more personally what do you know offhand what is the um company insurance company we're with right now um and what you like about them i believe it's safeco but as i've told you in our car insurance thing i'm with an independent insurance broker so he he finds you the best deal and you change it for your pocketbook yeah i change it based on what works like so for instance i don't believe we've changed home and car for about four years but i'm not exactly sure but there was a point where i was changing about every two to three years because not only was it saving me money, but the company was still offering basically the same insurance. And sometimes they're offering a little bit more. Like, so for instance, on your car, you might get, oh, free towing if your car broke down. Or you might get something else right. on, your, on your home insurance. The bells and whistles of insurance, everyone. Right. <laughs> um, so I guess then I'll also ask, is our earthquake insurance also with Safeco? Or is that something that you haven't really changed often because less companies, you said, are providing an earthquake insurance in the first place. Yes, our earthquake insurance is with Safeco. But, you know, it's because they've been a very good company so far. And, uh, you know, as long as they stay competitive. Now, I know we talked about this in the insurance episode, but one of the things I didn't bring up is I always check their rating of the insurance company. Oh, like how good they are on their word kind of a thing? Exactly, because then you can go online and just say, you know, how good is State Farm, how good is Safeco, whatever like that, in terms of paying out their claims. Right. Because insurance companies' job is to make money. Money, yeah. They don't want to play their claims. I feel like so many insurance companies go into lawsuits because they don't want to play their claims. But let's say that's not totally true that they don't want to pay their claims, but they don't want to pay out maybe the max amount on the claims. Right. So they always think, well, well, you're claiming you had 39 pieces of furniture in your house and you really had 12, so we're only giving you X amount of money and you want much larger. So- they have an insurance adjuster who comes and checks everything out and goes, well, that's what we're liable to put, you know, this is what we're going to pay you. And then you're like, wait a second, I, I think I'm getting screwed. And then right. their point of view might be, you're claiming a lot more than you really had. Right. So, you know, it's, it's that push and tug. 
Um, so knowing you, I thought we could get into any of the ways that you personally have researched on how to save on home insurance. Um, sure. Um, so there's a, obviously we always comparison shop in this house. So you check. Oh yeah. The kayak is where it's at. Just, I mean, (laughs) I love travel everyone. So obviously this episode isn't about that, but I love kayak. So, um, I always use that Expedia Priceline. I won't go on. I sound like a walking advertisement, but uh, you were saying, well, I, I highly recommend getting an independent insurance broker and you know, it could be one that covers like earthquake for us. It's earthquake home, uh, car, um, they could cover a life insurance too, whatever. But the bottom line is that somebody who can look at all the companies and then just give you the, if if you're just with one company and it's State Farm and, and you you love the guy who's your you know insurance broker and he's just been very nice to you and he's always kind on the phone and then you had a small little accident with your car or whatever it is right. and he got it replaced and fixed right away and you're like, I'm so happy with this guy. But then every year it's like, well, your policy went up $80 and then next year it went up $100 and then this year it went up $64. And you're like, well, I'm staying with them because I just like this guy. Whereas I'd rather say, okay, what's competitive out there? Yeah. What, what can another company do for me that's just as good? Dare I say it, be loyal to your pocketbook. That was the name of our last episode. Exactly. And then um, I always, uh, you can always raise your deductible. The deductible is the amount of money. So that's the same thing for auto insurance. Exactly. It's the money you have to kick in before the insurance company pays you. So that if your house was broken into and X was stolen, let's say your deductible is $500, you pay the first $500 and they'll cover the rest. Do you know anyone personally who also goes about that way by having having a higher deductible like do you know anyone who there's a lot of you people. know something did happen and they ended up paying a pretty high deductible i don't know personally but if you listen to any other podcasts or do any research online whether it's on youtube or just that's on, what they always say to do just in financial independence community people that are trying to just you know get ahead because life is tough and sometimes people lose their jobs or whatever they're always trying to find a way to be smart with their money. Right. And they always try and raise their deductibles. Got it. Cool. But they would be the same people that are very good about saving uh, six to nine months worth of, you know, emergency savings. Right. Again, with uh, home insurance, like car insurance, a good credit score will get you better rates. Wow. Yeah, because they keep looking, they look and say, look, for seven years in a row, never a late payment on these credit cards. How great is that? and maybe you paid them off 100% and you never had a late fee, they're like, okay, we can trust this person. They'll get a lower rate. Mm. I, I mean, I can't say the percentage, but you will get a lower rate. So let me just ask this before you continue. Are there any differences in ways to save money uh, that are, differ from auto insurance? Because clearly it's, you know, keep your deductibles high so that you pay a low premium. Have a good credit score or keep track of your credit score. Uh, is bundle your policy. I was about to say, is bundling one of them? Oh, uh, you've learned from last thing, grasshopper. <laughs> you, you may now go to the head of the class. Oh, the student is the teacher now. Actually, um, no, let's, let's not, let's not get ourselves here. A security system. If I'm you, mom's if, favorite, but not the smartest. You're mom's favorite. You're also <laughs> my favorite, but here's the thing. I'm living to 180 and we've agreed upon that. <laughs> okay. Um, having a security system in the house that. You know, if you have an alarm system in your house and it's hooked up to somebody who's going to come and drive to your house if the alarm goes off, that is going to help lower your policy. Now, again, I can't say the percentage. Wait, really? Yeah, it helps. So when we installed, we hello everyone, we installed Ring 
uh, you know, I forgot how long ago, just as like a security precaution. Um, and when when you told uh, Safeco that, did they go, well, well the, if we'll you're, give if you, you $10 if you're, off a month. I don't you know? remember. I think we got a tiny adjustment, but because we bought in the middle of the policy we had already paid, you wait until it renews. Got it. They know. And so they, in that renewal, did you see any major significant differences? I think it was minor. Okay. I, I don't exactly remember. But minor stuff adds up because, you know, right. compound interest, everyone. Um, is the house brick or wood? Wait, it, sorry. I'm sorry, what? If a house is brick, it will be cheaper to insure because in the case of a fire, a brick house will survive quicker than a wood house. So if your whole exterior of your house is is brick and a fire started on a lawn on the neighborhood next door and it, it jumps and you're at work and it jumps to your house, but it's up against brick and it's terrible, but the fire department comes and puts it out before it gets to the wood inside your house. Right. That is going to be cheaper to insure if your house is an all wood stucco house. Wow. Yeah. Brick Um, over, brick over wood. So I just out of curiosity. They tend to come with cheaper premiums, brick houses. Right. Um, We have a brick uh, fireplace. Yeah, that doesn't help. And then we have brick anything else? The house is primarily wood. Okay, got it. Yeah, it makes me wonder how many um, brick houses, I guess, are left. I feel like that depends on, like, brick anything. I'm I'm imagining townhomes in, like, Chicago or, like, the East Coast maybe. But I don't, I feel like I'm trying to think of a <laughs> brick house here in California. But um, If you have a pool, pool is a great thing to have, but your premium will be higher with a house with a pool. Wait, so explain that. Well, I don't know the exact reason, but... It's like it's like it'd be more to insure a pool because pools are expensive just in general. Yeah, but let's say there was structural damage of some sort, and yeah. you're like, uh, the pool is leaking, we can't even use it. You guys oh, have God, to give us yeah. the insurance, and they go, oh, okay, so your premium is always going to be higher in a house with a pool because we have to fix the leaky pool. Right. Yeah. Well, imagine just all of the, you know, if a huge, you know, crack happens in the pool, and then oh, exactly. I've seen that happen many times you, with a lot of people. You friends, have friends. I mean, because we have many earthquakes here, but I'd never actually... I I'm going to Google that after this. What? I, I know friends that have drained their pool, and then they were like, it was so expensive to fix the crack. I went online on YouTube and bought all the materials, and I got down in the pool, and it took me two weeks, and it was a pain in the butt, but I did it myself, and then just put the water back in the pool because I didn't want to go, oh, insurance, will you have somebody come in and fix this? Because right. my premium's going to be higher than the high I don't like. Oh, got it. Right. Um, yeah, pools are expensive. <laughs> is your home located on a busy road? That's if it's on a busy road, like right next to a freeway or you know a main intersection or something like that. That's going to be a little bit higher to insure because the chances of a car maybe skipping, crashing, yeah, yeah, coming around a corner too fast or something. There's there's a street, um, forgetting what street it is, but they have a. It's like not a warning. Thing that pops out it's like a warning pole right it's you know about as tall as you know hits me at my waist and so it's not that tall but it's in front of this corner house it's on uh not just one major street but it's on two major streets it's like so yeah it's, it's trying to warn people i don't want to like- say the exact location because you know got to keep things private but um it's it it's I think a warning it's been, for drivers, it's right? It's a warning for drivers, but I think it stops them because I think that house had, had 
cars in their front yard a couple times, not far enough where, you know, they had like a little fence. So the fence stopped the car. It didn't actually damage the house but imagine replacing that fence however many times because you're not only on one major street you're on two major streets um because that's just you know the way it is over there uh but but that's a perfect segue to my next and last point which have you ever heard of clue c-l-u-e i've heard of the game okay (laughs) the board game (laughs) i'm talking about a thing called the comprehensive loss underwriting exchange or clue i know let's just keep it a clue (laughs) right Right. So okay. if you remember Clue and you, you, know, you go on Google and you look up Clue, there's a database and it will tell you exactly how many times there's been insurance claims on your house or the house you're about to buy. What? Yeah. So if you know that, hey, this looks like a really nice neighborhood, but maybe you're on a corner adjacent to an alley and people could pull up in the alley when you're not home, jump over the fence, come in your backyard, break in your house and then go back out to the alley and drive away without ever entering the front of your house so it's never seen. And let's say that's happened four times in 20 years. That house is more expensive than the insurer. Before you buy that house, you go to the Clue database, C-L-U-E, go to that database, and it'll tell you how many times there's been an insurance claim on your house. Do you know if it's like Clue.org or what the exact address I, is offhand? I don't know. but Well, just, you know, Google. That's to say again, Google. it's Comprehensive Loss Underwriting Exchange, and it details every home insurance claim that's ever been made on your house. So did you do that before we bought this house? Because our house no, is because, on a- because I didn't know all this. I, I was very interested in money, but I didn't have this much detail about Because it makes me wonder, our house is on a, um, it's like on a curve. So it's like a big oval but it's like squared out oval and ours is on an outer corner of the round part. So depending on if a car is coming at us and they don't make the curve fast enough. I mean, I wonder if that's ever happened before we bought the house. I don't know, but I mean, basically I've been very happy with the insurance rates I've got and having the independent insurance broker, Randy Barrett, who I'll, you know, plug because I love him. Um, I've always been able to sort of balance it out and go, okay, the insurance is going to be the same as it was last year, but I'm getting something slightly better or different based on they're offering me this because I've been a client so long, but I've been very happy and the rates have been super competitive no matter which company I've been with. One other quick thing I'll tell you, there's a thing in the insurance industry called buying business. And that means let's say you're state farm and you want either car insurance or auto, I mean auto or home. And, some other company, Safeco, Allstate, whoever, is writing more home insurance, meaning they have a lot more clients than you. Yeah. So what you do is you try and undersell them. You make your premiums less like, oh, you're going to save $400 with us a year. And you're like, wow, I'm going with you. And they do that. And after about two years, they raise the rates because they're hoping that people come along and they're like, oh, I have a new better guy I'm just going to keep paying the premium, not really paying a premium. And then I don't want to change my guy because I've been with him for so long, so I'll just pay the higher price. Exactly, but they buy business, meaning we will lose money for a year or two. But if we signed up 10,000 new clients, we're hoping that at least 8,500 of them will stay with us and just keep paying our prices when we raise them. Right. It's called buying business. That's an interesting concept. I wonder if they apply that elsewhere. Um. But so I didn't know if there was anything else that you had to say about home insurance that no, I didn't really No, I think ask that about. covers it. I know insurance is not always the zippity doodah type fun episode. No, it is but, not. <laughs> but here's the thing. 
part of it is that you're learning and someday you will be a homeowner and someday you'll be out buying your own cars and stuff like that. And it's kind of noted to know some of the inside information and, and let's say you don't even remember it all now. Come back and listen to the podcast. Yeah, honestly, this will be a digital archive that I can just listen to and I'm like, oh God, I did that podcast and we did that one episode. Let me find it. And then, Yeah, I can't you know. call my dad because he's 160 and he's in Hawaii and he can't hear so well now. Okay, well, all right, okay. I thought it's, we said 180, but right, right. But I'm 160 and you know, I have another 20 years to live and you're like, I really, I'm not going to bother him. If I'm 120 years old, I really hope that I have a house by then. I'm not. <laughs> oh my God. Are we're we're 40, we're 40 years apart. So, um, pretty, not exactly, but you know, close to it. Um, um, I want to thank everybody for listening and, uh, please subscribe to dad's daughters and dollars. Again, we're, uh, we look like we might have found our second winner for the uh, buy and hold contest, but we'll we'll give you more updates on on future episodes. Uh, congratulations again to CJ Khan, who was our first winner. We're hoping to interview him sometime in the near future. I don't know if that's like a, a month or two from now, but we're helping him set up his stuff. And uh, congratulations to him. Uh, anything from you? Um, well, I'll just always end it the way I kind of have always done is I hope you guys learned something and got something out of it and that it was informative. And, uh, I guess we hope to see you next time and thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and, uh, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you. The content on dad's daughters and dollars is for informational purposes only and does not constitute professional financial advice. Listeners should consult an attorney, accountant, financial planner, or other professionals to suit your specific needs.